right, folks, before we get into the main thing today, I want to let you know that this particular episode of the Oil & Gas Tech Podcast is made possible by our friends at Hexagon, especially the Asset Lifecycle Intelligence Division at Hexagon, where they are doing amazing things to modernize that part of the business that we usually call enterprise asset management. Now, the best way to learn more about this is you go to hexagonppm.com, hexagonppm.com. Click on the link or tap if you happen to be on your mobile device that says solutions, and you'll see Uh, you'll immediately see everything that they're about. Empowered engineer, connected worker, digital fabricator, confident startup, enterprise project. I mean, the list, it's a whole, digital twins, it's all in there, operational twins. Have a look at what Hexagon is doing in enterprise asset management, hexagonppm.com. Lumbers are moving. It's Michael. (laughs) An industry under pressure. Innovation in its finest hour. This is the Oil & Gas Technology Podcast, where sharp minds reveal the brilliance and sheer determination turning great ideas into new realities. Hear about how it happens in real life with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. The views of the host are expressly his own and should not be construed as the views of any other corporation, consortium, governing body, or interplanetary federation. All right, folks, we are uh, here at the, uh, at the Hilton Americas, beautiful downtown Houston, where we have a lot of events uh, right next to the George R. Brown. And, uh, and I, I've been making friends the last uh, couple of days, and I, and I, and I met up with uh, Andrew Boyd, right? Yes, sir. The, yeah. yes, sir. So the funny part that you didn't just hear, those of you uh, following along at home, uh, or maybe you will hear it because maybe the audio guy will leave it in. But Andrew and I were just trying to remember each other's name. <laughs> Who are you again? But but what, so you were standing outside the thing last yesterday. So it's the it's the it's the what is this the eighth annual right the eighth annual yeah. IoT event yep. uh, and uh, in Houston for oil and gas and you were standing outside the door and I walked by and I recognized your face because you sent me a message on LinkedIn. Yeah, I think we connected on LinkedIn. I also met you or or ran into you or probably saw you. I've been to like six of these conferences in the last three months coming up from Seattle. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I've been been around. Yeah, so coming in from Seattle. So um, you can see we got a nice sunny day outside, and it's not too hot even today in Houston. Yeah. You know, does it feel hot? It does for me. I know where you're going with this. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, it's, I mean, it was only 70 this morning when I was walking over here to the hotel. So, um, all right. And so Andrew Boyd from Seattle and you're from, like, you you didn't just go there because it's cool. You're actually from yeah, I'm Seattle. from Seattle. Actually, I spent quite a bit of time in uh, New York up until I was about 13 and came back to Seattle. And uh, yeah, I love it out there. We it is beautiful uh, for about four months of the year. Yeah, and the rest is kind of dark and gray. Which four? J- June, July, August, May, June, July. What what, what are the four? Yeah, June, July. Because I've August. not been successfully hitting the, the every time I've been there. So which ones am I looking for? May, June, July, August. Yeah. Or June, July, August, September are your key months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We've got we've got the water, the ocean, the trees, the mountains, coffee. Yeah, sure. If that's your thing, yeah. I mean, not that it's not my thing. I love coffee. <laughs> yeah. So good. And and you're with this. Uh, and I know you haven't been w- with the company for too long, uh, so we won't ask you any hard questions. Um, but uh, gra- <laughs> Grail Grail AI, which I love the, I um, I love the uh, I love the name. Uh, I assume that the, the reason for the Grail portion of the name 
uh, is something to do with attaining the unattainable, right? Is that, am I on the right track? Yeah, I, I would assume so too. I thought you weren't <laughs> going to ask me any hard questions. <laughs> That's a good question. You know, I just assumed that too. I should probably uh, inquire. You should know why they, so anytime, especially for smaller software companies, they always have interesting names, right? Um, and uh, because part of the reason is because software people like to do something creative. Yep. And part of the reason is because you're looking, you're trying to find a domain name that's not already taken, right? So, so for the last 10 years, like domain name availability tends to drive company name strategy. And so, um, and then usually like when you have a really, like uh, I, you know the guys at Data Gumbo, right? Uh, like when I asked uh, Andrew, the founder of Data Gumbo, how'd you guys come up with this name? There was a, like there was a whole margaritas and like story involved in the like like staying up all night with the margaritas and the chips and the salsa and and the so, gumbo hopefully and they, there was no gumbo it, oh, was, okay. it was margaritas <laughs> so sometimes there's a drinking story involved so I don't know there might be you should find out there might be a good there might be a good story there yeah you bring up a good point the the domain name thing is I mean it's essentially online real estate right it is yeah You're right yeah, and there, yeah. there's a lot of money there so I I was. I've been in web development and search engine marketing for, I don't know, the better part of a decade and a half. Okay. Uh, that's my background. And it's interesting to watch the companies that want to have a unique name and they'll, they'll switch up one consonant in the, yes. the spelling just, yes. just so they can have that dot com. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's true. So, um, so how'd you get, uh, so, you, so you got this web search marketing, how'd you get hooked up with these guys at... Uh, at Grail yeah. AI. Okay. Um, so that's I, not a hard question, right? No, no, no that's not. Like, a you know hard how question. that happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I was laid off when COVID hit um, yeah. from just a fun tech startup, and I got into learning trading the market. Got addicted to that, which I still love, and. I was approached by someone I used to work with at a data strategy company. Yeah. That knew uh, that I love. I just love people. I love reaching out to a bunch of people, going to events, and Grail was looking to expand. We have kind of a flagship customer that mm -hmm. we do really good work for, and presumably, that, yeah, that would be yeah. That's yeah. how they get to be flagship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and uh, they wanted to expand, so I was brought in under her. Yeah. And met the guys, and I, I think some of the things that the the requirements for me to find my next role were it had to be superior technology, and and it was going to be technology. That's I love technology, sure. so yeah, yeah. it had to be they had to be at the top of their game. That was number one. I don't want to sell for the second rate company. Uh, and number two, I, they had to have a great team. I had to really love the people, what they were doing, um, and have a great culture. Right. Yeah. So, Good. Uh, yeah. So, are you hiring? Because, I mean, that would be, it sounds like a good deal. Like, maybe I could, I could just slide in there and... We're know. open to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think soon we, we will be, definitely. Yeah. It's good to see companies, um, you know, kind of on the growth path again. Um, you said something earlier, though, um, that uh, made me think of this. Because I have a little bit of experience with um, the small software company early stage yeah uh, not so much not so much startup right at the like beginning startup but like early stage software companies where somebody has presumably and uh we just met yesterday so i didn't have time to do any homework on grail ai so we're, we can we can hear sure. about that later but um presumably uh somebody there's always the inventor right yeah like somebody invented it whether it was one person or five people or whatever um 
And then there's always this, uh, what I've seen a lot of times for small software companies is there's a realization that they need somebody mm. uh, to come in and help bring it to the market mm. because their original thinking is usually this is so great all we have to do is show it to people and they're going to want to buy it yeah it doesn't right? work like that <laughs> <laughs> but that's what every but that's yep. what the inventors always think right that's right because 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 they're they're because uh, they're very proud of it it usually yep. is fantastic yep um uh, there's another there's kind of an old joke too about songwriters which is if you ask any songwriter what's the greatest song you ever wrote they'll always say the one i just finished yeah. right because it's because you're really proud of what you just did and most of the time it is amazing and yeah uh, you, you can't. A lot of times, you're disappointed when you show up and you show it to people, and you say, "And so the so it kind of goes like this: I'm going to show you this amazing thing that I created, especially when it's kind of platform oriented. Right. It sounds like kind of where you guys are at, platform. Mm. And, okay. Yeah, okay. And and but when it's like that, and you say, "And I'm going to show it to you, right. and you're going to imagine all the wonderful things that you can do with it, and yeah. uh, and then you're going to want to buy it, and then yeah. they're disappointed when that doesn't happen. Right. Um, and it's not because their stuff's no good, right? So what what what? So in your experience, what, how did why does that happen to, to small? Oh, great question. Yeah. That's a, that's a, there's some depth to that question. So yeah. I think number one, when you in your mind come up with something or you're a creator and you build something, you are coming at it from a certain perspective because you're the builder. And when you present it to other people, they don't have all of the background knowledge of why this is a thing, what the value of this thing is. And they also right. have all their preconceived notions of where you know from when they grew up and what they know is possible and and yeah. so that comes to the table and that can skew that as well they also have limited time right absolutely like they like i like i have cuz typically if it's a if if the person is the the decision maker hmm. that's who you want to talk to yeah uh, a lot of times uh like i don't have time to go through like the imagination game yeah, this, I mean, right? well, and you're talking also about these very complex, very expensive yes, machines. Ex exactly. Right. You're talking about not just software, but you're looking at hardware, you're looking at engineering, uh, you're looking at very complex strategies like machine learning. There's a lot. You can't just present that to them and show them yeah. and expect them to get it. Yeah, yeah, so good. So how do you... Um, um, so, so how do you... So, so we're... So I, I didn't tell you we were going to talk about this at all, but but I think it's interesting because a lot of people listen to the show who are in technology and and you know we have uh, of course it's a podcast world so listeners are anonymous we don't really yeah. know who they are but we think that there's quite a few people there's a lot of people from industry only guess industry and then there's some people who are kind of in similar things you know roles at what you're in um, and how do you break down those walls yeah how do you because you, you don't want to you don't want to sell somebody something that they don't need right but but a lot of times, you, whatever you have really can add value, but you have to, like, how do, you, how do you get there from here? Oh, another good question. Yeah, you don't, we won't sell something that someone won't need. If, it's, if we can't 5X their ROI within a few months, uh, we, oh, we just yeah. won't work with them. Okay, I'm going to put a marker in that. We're going to come yeah. back to 5X in a few months, but yeah. yeah and, we, and we know if we can or not pretty, pretty quickly, but how do you get past that? That was actually a very big challenge for me personally and yeah. us as a company just recently uh, is how do we explain all this value and, to where they understand how it'll work um, in a limited amount of time? Yeah. And that's, that's a problem because you're talking with different, different roles that understand different mechanics and so just as of recent, instead of telling people, because here's the, here's the truth is we're a custom software development shop. 
We're a small company uh, comprised of software veterans that have been in this game for a long time. And we build custom software. So anything a customer wants, we can build it. Is it worth it for them or us? You know, we don't know. But mm. being able to tell people that we do executive level dashboards and analytics, uh, we do machine learning, we do sensors, not that that's sensors is just kind of an easy thing, but you know, we really do run the whole gamut. We can do anything. So you can't say that to a customer. We came to the realization that we need to keep it really short and to the point and let them kind of guide the conversation. And that's worked really well. So yeah, okay. just last week, in fact, we came to some messaging that has, it works a lot better. And so uh, essentially we save eight to 15% in predictive maintenance and operating costs within about three months using our clients' data. Eight, sorry, say that again? So eight to? Yeah, so we save eight to 15% in operating costs. Eight to 15% in operating costs. Uh, around predictive maintenance. Uh, within about three months, using their own data. Yeah, yeah. So, um, okay. So, so you are you are aiming at specific problems, or you yeah, know, you're 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 not. So you're not going out there and saying, uh, "We do all. We of can it. build what whatever you want. You want. Yeah, Just no. tell us what you want us to build." Yeah. And uh, um, uh, because that would make you like a lot of other people. But um, yeah. But you're but you're. But you're aiming at predictive maintenance, operate, saving operations. That's, that's hot in the industry right now, right? Yeah. That's that's um, uh, what. Uh, where are you seeing? Okay, so let me back up. People, this whole thing with field operations, predictive maintenance, whether it's upstream and you know, or in upstream uh, production facilities, or you know, refineries or compressor yeah. stations, wherever you are. Yeah. Like this whole thing about predictive maintenance and automation of operator rounds and like all these things, like it's hot in the industry right now. Sure. Um, uh, where are you seeing the most opportunity? So if you're looking for that 5X ROI, mm -hmm. eight to 15%, I could probably, so if I, if I do the math backwards, I could say, you could figure that out. So where are you seeing the most opportunity to get that goal quickly? Definitely in upstream. Yeah? Yeah, they have a ton of very complex machines uh, that are responsible for, I mean, shit, pumping money out of the ground. Right? Yeah. And that's, that's where the biggest opportunity right, Pumping is. money out of the ground, yeah. I like that. Um, uh, unconventionals like 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 Permian like 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 in the like in the shale plays like the fracking operations and all that kind of stuff because yeah. the because like the like the deep water the offshore rigs and stuff they've been kind of they've been kind of uh, I, I think they're coming back I think I think sure. they're coming back but the focus has really been I would agree in these in these frack uh, operations yeah which yeah. are very complex yeah well right? yeah. yeah well completion um, operators uh, is is really our bread and butter. Yeah. We think that's where the, the biggest opportunity is. And that's, and that's what we specialize in. You know, that's what we have done for five years. Yeah. So we, we know yeah. that. So give me an example of like um, uh, uh, somebody's, so, so, the, so the before and after, right? Yeah. Somebody's world, what does somebody's world look like today or maybe yesterday or recently? And, and how's it changing with these types of initiatives? Yeah, I, I think... Uh, the before was they, you know, and, and everyone's on the spectrum, right? The data is a long journey from womb to tomb. So they might have some data. They might know there's some value in it. They might not. Um, or they're just starting and they, they have some data and they're 
they, they do know there's value and they're trying to get to it, which is kind of the first challenge is we've got all this data. We don't know what to do with it, where there's value uh, and, and how to find that. Yeah. And, uh, and that's kind of the, the <laughs> so, yeah. it's, it's funny because I, so I, I was just right before this, I was moderating a panel upstairs in the event. Did you, yeah. did you catch it? No, you I don't, I didn't, I didn't I, arrive. You missed yeah. it. You missed it. So <laughs> it was great. But like, and we were talking about a completely different topic. Sure. IOT, like sustainability and IOT. And, and one of the panelists said almost word for word, that exact same sentence that you just said. So it's uh, about the like we have the data, but like how do we use it? Yeah, you know sometimes it seems like we have too much data. Sometimes it seems like we don't have enough. We don't have, like this problem kind of permeates this 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 obstacle yeah, is it, it permeates the industry yep. everywhere we go and we try to do stuff. Every industry. It's is it every industry? Oh yeah, man. I've been I've kind of had my head in oil and gas for a long time. Yeah, I mean, well, there, I mean, there's some like e-commerce and there, it's like the first thing you trip over with everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, we we got this data. What do we do with it? How do we how do we make value of it? And regardless of who's listening to this, or, or it doesn't matter if you're listening or not, anyone out there, everyone out there has data, and everyone has data that is valuable, whether they mm. know it or not. Yeah. Yeah. What? Um. But then the next problem is always, and I'm sure you guys run into this, is we have the data, we know it's valuable, but using it effectively is, you know, how do we get there? Continues yeah, continues to be a challenge. Yeah. I, you know, my, my favorite example is always in the oil and gas industry, uh, one of the biggest historical data challenges mm. that everybody faces. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're. I want to say we're past this now, but I asked this question to somebody recently um, who was uh, um, like a, 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 had a leadership role in operations, I forget. And he, he was like, eh, we're not really past it yet. Um, but the problem was we, we, every single well has a whole bunch of data associated with that well. But historically, we can't agree on how do I identify the well Mm-hmm. Like from one system to the next. Right. Like forget about all the other data. Like we can't like just identifying the well. So this is a huge challenge. What? Um, so I'm, I'm sure you guys run into this when you when you go into a place, right? Like just how do I even correlate the data? How do I clean it up? How do I know what's garbage? What's good? Yeah. Yeah. What? Good question. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's going to run into this problem, and this is where you really have to be the consultant and you you have to understand their business. You have to understand, because every business is unique. So until you understand the cost drivers of the business and understand, well, how do you guys make money? How do you guys save money? Until you understand those pieces, the, you can't do anything with the data because you don't know what's important in the data and what to look yeah. for and what to parse out. Do you, but so when you're within one industry, say oil and gas, do you find a lot of variability in the answers to those questions as you go from one to the next? We do. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, well, com- well completion is uh, there's you know that's a pretty broad range. Right. Everyone does different things or has a different piece of the puzzle within well completion or yeah uh, within oil and gas and and. Uh, you know that's their focus, and so we we need to understand that focus yeah. and and how they make money before we can really start to organize the data in a way that makes sense for them. Yeah. Where if we present it to them, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You also have some complexity, right? That comes from, and people outside the industry don't always appreciate this, but when you go out to a well site and you talk about well completions, 
you're not dealing with just one company. It's not just the operator, right? Yeah. You've got you got service companies in there performing those service. You got you got equipment companies. You got service companies who are operating the equipment. Yep. You have a lot of different players, and they kind of all have their different slice of the data, and they're all right. This so is true. How, how do you guys? So this. So what what do you, what do you guys do when you when you so when it, when I say I want to get that eight to fifteen percent? Yeah. But. Let me introduce you to the jungle that is my uh, my your, your, yeah, all your eighteen <laughs> spreadsheets. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's a good question. So, really, what we want to do is we want to get all their data in one place. Okay. Uh, so you know, and that that often requires a lot of cleaning, a lot of manual work because nothing's automated. They just have these you know silos of data in different places, and we need to get it all in one place first, uh, so we can clean it up and present it in a way that makes sense. So. Um, that includes, you know, reviewing and editing the data collection process, um, which is a lot of machine processes and human processes on the pad yeah. um, to get it all in one place. And then, uh, and then we look at the amount that they have. We look at the quality and how it's relevant to the business, how it's relevant to the conversation we had with them about how they make or save money. You know, what is their, their core focus? Right, uh, right, right. What do you... Um, what... what um well, I was going to ask you what kind of objectives are you seeing people kind of taking aim at? Um, we talked about predictive maintenance. Mm -hmm. um, um, is, there, is there a particular... So if I'm out there, right, and I'm saying uh, I'm responsible for the digital oil fields initiatives at, at my company, mm -hmm. um, and... Uh, now, a lot of people are down the road with this a little bit already, and they kind of already have a plan, and they're doing stuff, and they're hitting obstacles, yeah. right? Which is where it's nice to have some experts to come in and help with that. But for the people who are still, like, early stage, um, how, do you, how do you guide them on, like, okay, where do I start? I don't want to spin my wheels. Um, I got friends who have told me about all the, all the difficulties that they've had. Like, like, where do you, like, where do you start that? journey of I want to I want to bring some automation and all this kind of thing to my to my uh, to my maintenance operations yeah I think uh, the one of the most important things first is to make sure you're you're getting data and getting uh, as much data as possible and you're collecting it in a way that uh, is organized so so you're actually getting good data so so before even before you have a particular use case in mind you're oh, kind of creating the foundation. You right? know, the truth is, Michael, is you, we, we might not come up with the use case until we look at the data. That often happens. Interesting. Because Interesting. the data, therein lies the facts of what's happening now Yeah. and, and what you could do. Like where, what levers can we, you know, you won't know. The levers won't be exposed until you actually see the data. And then the, the use case can, kind can of come emerges. to fruition. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting because it's a little bit, it's a little bit against conventional wisdom right now, right? Because most of the most of the conventional wisdom of of creating software technology solutions says, you know, we have this goal. Let's take get it, this data. Find, it, find a use case yeah. that matters that adds value to the business and yeah. go after that one. I mean, uh, I don't I don't want to shoot that down. That that is, you know, what the goal is. But you make a good point, which is, uh, we you know, we may be presuming something until until you look at the data yeah you may not i mean you have you may have crap data you may not get a you, you may have people in the field that are you know uh fat fingering it and not getting the data incorrectly and that's a problem yeah um or you just you know you, you need more data or you need to 
most importantly, you need to bring all your data in one place. But, but yeah, the, the data will really expose what you can do first. And the reason I, I say that is we operate in steps. So you can't just sell someone, oh, we're going to predict all, all your maintenance problems before they happen and you won't have any shutdowns <laughs> yeah, yeah. and you'll only be down three hours instead of four days. Yeah. But you need to start, to, you need to build trust with people on a small scale. So oftentimes we want to find out what's the biggest win for your business quickly and how can we make that happen in, a sh- in short order yeah. uh, for, for a you know, small amount of money and then you can build trust and then go from there. So that's critical these days. Um, and I know you said, uh, so I know you have experience in other industries um, and, and, I, and, and you've been with Grail AI for about seven months seven now. Months in, and you guys are focused on oil and gas. Yeah. But is that, is that kind of the beginning of your oil and gas industry experience? Yeah. It is. Yeah, okay. So you're doing pretty well so far. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. So, so I want to ask you a couple of things. Um, the first thing, though, that, that, so you haven't been around oil and gas long enough to know, but you've probably heard, that um, it used to be that there was a very high tolerance for big projects that took a long time with an ROI that was way off in the future somewhere. There used to be, like, we used to be okay with that. Yeah. We used to have a lot of those. Okay. Um, and so a lot of companies that came in with technology solutions or consulting companies were kind of like, you know, you'd, you'd start at the beginning and there's a lot of time spent, a lot of money spent. And two years from now, three years from now, there's going to be a payoff. Yeah. And, and the industry was, like I said, kind of okay with that. Those days are over. Long gone. And, um, <laughs> and, the, uh, and, and if you would have said back then, if you would have said, if you'd have walked into, uh, let's say, an oil company or a big services company, and they said, "I want to see an ROI in 90 days," yeah, you would have been like, you'd been flat-footed. You'd been like, "I don't, I don't know what to. We're not ready for that." Yeah, but we are. But now we're doing that sort of thing. Um, that was what you said, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if it's because people are moving in smaller steps. Yeah. Or. Um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think you're going to get to predictive maintenance uh, within three months if they're just starting their data journey. It's just not. Across all your facilities. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, not yeah, possible. You're not gonna, but, but what can you do in three months? We can give them uh, a picture of their data and an understanding of what levers to pull that will make them or save them money after we understand their unique business model. Yeah, and we can give their team a visualization of what what their data can do for them in the long term, as well as what problems it can solve right away. Yeah, yeah. And I mean right away. So that's a start. That's a really solid starting point with with immediate value. But you're but you're talking. Yeah, yeah. And that is that is the you have to. I mean, yeah. you you have to start on a small scale. You just can't do anything within two or three months. Um, unless you, you know, start on a small scale. Right. But you can make meaningful progress. Oh, absolutely. That amount of time. Yeah. Okay. I want to, uh, I want to ask you something else and, and, and we'll wrap up cause I know you got a, you got a line of people waiting to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so coming into this industry from the, from the tech world, having, um, having experience in other places, what, what stood out to you? Like in the first, you know, in this first few months, Yeah. what did, what, like, what was your impression? Like, maybe, like, what was, what was something that you said, wow, I really didn't realize it was like this, or this was surprising, or, or um, you know, as an outsider coming in, what, what, what struck you maybe is, uh, 
interesting or um, yeah different. I think uh, what I really appreciate about this space is this is a relationship game, right? It's a trust game. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of what what you were asking? Well, anything, right? Yeah. You yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot to learn. This is a, a very unique industry because you're talking about just big machines in the ground, right? It's just uh, it's the complexity is huge. Hard to fathom unless you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, everyone has vendors and customers, and they're all connected. Right. Uh, and there's there's so many moving pieces that have to come together at the right time. You know, like, oh, this, this truck's empty. Let's get it out of here. Let's bring in the next uh, truck full of sand. And, and that has to happen at this exact point. And, yeah. You know, so yeah. there's, just, there's so many moving pieces that need to come together at the right time. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's exciting to learn it all, but it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> I, I always say that the oil and gas industry isn't really one industry. It's really like a whole bunch of industries that are all like bolted together toward this single purpose, which is pumping money out of the ground, as yeah, you said. Yeah. But, but, um, but yeah, within that, you have all the, you know, you have like all the problems of transportation that mm-hmm. you mentioned, right? You mm-hmm. have all of the problems of, of, of mechanical engineering and, and many, or manufacturing, right? There's like, a, there are like manufacturing problems. There are logistics problems. Like there's like all these different uh, industries that are all sort of woven together. Yeah. So you, so you haven't, you haven't run off. I mean, you haven't left yet. You haven't. Oh, you haven't no. run away scared or oh, anything like that. So. I'm jacked about this. Are you? Yeah. Oh, I'm pumped. I'm, I mean, I'm just learning so much, and that's what excites me. Yeah. Uh, building relationships, learning from other people, um, and just learning how to talk to these people, right? That's just communication skills that, that I'm how, how are you finding it? So there's another thing about the industry that's kind of an old, an old uh, perception that I usually like to, well, I'm, I'm not going to give it away, but... Um, there's this notion that when you come, if you're, if you've got something that you're trying to present or sell or whatever, and you come into the oil and gas industry, that if you can't speak their exact same language and know exactly what their world is like, that they don't want to talk to you, that they throw you out of the room. Um, is how how are, are you finding that? Uh, I think there's some truth to that. Is there? Yeah, if you haven't been on the pad and you you've seen the the orchestra moving, uh, or understand a bit about it you you know i think in any industry you're gonna you're gonna lose a little bit of ground there right uh but but are you finding that people are willing to kind of sit down with you and explain yeah that's one explain their world to you like let me help you understand it first right yeah well one thing i have found is the people in this industry the oil and gas space is full of super genuine like good-hearted people yeah Uh, yeah, and and they want they want to share what they do yeah and they're willing to provided you give a damn right and, right. and that's kind of my approach is I don't know much, but I want to learn what you are, what you do, and how your business operates. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and if you, I think if you start on that piece. Uh, they're, they're very willing to. And that's the part that I, I usually like to debunk, which is um, what they, it's not that they, they don't hate it if you don't already understand their world perfectly. What they don't like is if you, act like you understand their world and clearly you don't yeah right like they're happy to share with you if you say explain this to me right they're happy to to teach you about it right but if you act like you're yeah you're gonna put yourself in a hole then you're done yeah so good all right i know uh i promised to get you out of here by uh by uh, whatever time it is so uh thank you uh any did did anything um 
Anything that's just like really like burning on your uh, on your mind that you want to say before we, uh, um, before we wrap up? I mean, I'll just I'll just share kind of a little bit about you know our architecture, which uh, has been saving millions per year for uh, a frack client that uh, just got purchased. Uh, we're pretty excited about that. We're looking to uh, generate some more relationships. Uh, one thing we did after we got them to ROI through predictive maintenance was. Yeah. We combined all their data from their ERP, their telematics, and asset management for some pretty advanced internal reporting and customer-facing dashboards, which really helped them drive sales. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and I think customer-facing. So we don't always think about customer-facing. Really stuff. important. Yeah, it gives you an advantage. You know, yeah. if your if your customers they're using this equipment, have data, and they know what's going on. You're, yeah. you're going to get a leg up. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Cool. And so now, yeah, now we got this architecture. They've been bought. Uh, it's ready to deploy. And uh, it's, I mean, we're excited because it's built with ML in mind, which is important. And we've solved the challenge of if you have 80 different locations with 40 permutations of 60 different machines, we can do that. And I, okay. I haven't found anyone that can do that. It's got over-the-air code updates. Uh, which is really important. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, we're, we're excited to, to build some relationships and again, save people 8 to 15% on their operating and you know, costs. They're yeah. about three months. Yeah. yeah, three months can save you 8 to 15% on your operating costs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Michael, All thanks right. for the time. All right, yeah. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it. Good luck on, uh, with the rest of the conference. And let's, uh, next time you're back in Houston, when you know a little bit more stuff, <laughs> we can <laughs> we can bring you over to the studio. We'll see how things are going. I'd love it. All right, man. cool. All right, thanks. Check us out next week for another entertaining and yet useful episode of Oil & Gas Tech Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.